Good morning. It is traffic jam up here. Sorry about that. Matthew chapter 6, if you would take your Bibles, please, and turn with me there. God has blessed us only because of His grace with another day to worship Him. Uh, let, me, let me say first and foremost, on behalf of uh, my wife and I, we are so blown away by your kindness and your graciousness, your love um, and the appreciation that you have shown uh, to us as a family and to me as your pastor. Um, please, let me remind you with all serious, don't focus on an individual. I am grateful for your love. Please don't ever focus on an individual. Um, focus on the one who deserves all of our glory and all of our worship, and that is the Lord and the Lord alone. I, I simply am privileged to be the one who shares with you on a regular basis the good news of Jesus Christ. Please understand that I am with you. I am alongside of you. I'm going to fail you. I'm not going to show up to the hospital room when you think that I'm going to. I'll upset you and probably even say something that ticks you off on occasion um, because I am just like you. And there is no difference to the fact that we are all called to be faithful followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so please hear and understand my heart on that, although I am delighted uh, with your love. We had a lot of family in town a week ago, and they were asking me about Big Woods. And they're like, tell me about your church. And, and I said, you know, it's just, it's just a cool church. That was my first word. It's just a cool church. And like, well, like, what do you mean by that? And this is the first thing that came out of my mouth. I said, you know what? They just don't care. And they're like, and that's a cool church? Like, really? And in my mind, that was the highest. I said, yeah, they don't care about the little things that a lot of other churches care about. They don't care about your background. They don't care about the fact that you've done something wrong or that you don't dress the prop. They don't care about that. What they care about is one thing, and that is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, and in all honesty, in my first response, I am grateful for your hearts that continually keep a focus on that which matters in the big picture. Uh, I, I have been so encouraged with testimonies of people that have come and they have, they have arrived in this church as all of us with, with broken, shattered lives. And they don't feel judged and looked down upon because we are together sinners that are saved by God's grace. So I commend you for being a church that does not care. I commend you for being a cool church, and I am humbled in, in the highest and greatest respect uh, to be your shepherd. Bow your heads, please, with me as we uh, look into God's Word this morning. Father, we come before you, and, and we're still in awe. I, I am in complete awe of who you are because of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we have direct access, the door is wide open, that we as your children can call upon you as our Heavenly Father, 
Lord, you, you pour out lavishly your grace and your mercy. You give us just one more day. We don't even deserve this moment, let alone the freedoms, the comforts, the privilege that we have to just lift up our voices, the, the, the freedom to, to worship you without a sense of fear. I pray, Lord, for, for brothers and sisters throughout the world who do not have this privilege. But help us not to get too comfortable here. Help us to realize who we are, that we are called out ones who have been rescued. You have given to us a message that we cannot and we will not hold on to it ourselves. God, I would ask for your strength as we cut into the community with the good news of Jesus. I pray, Lord, for our dear brothers who are in this community, a, a community, Lord, that is just ensnared in sin and darkness like many others. But you've called us to live here and to minister here. I pray, Lord, for my brothers who are preaching the gospel and, and embolden them. Help them, Lord, to, to hug close to the cross and the words in their life. Father, I just pray, Lord, right now as we examine a subject that we would rather not examine. And yet your word has a lot of instruction. It's heavy on people's hearts. Lord, guide us. May your spirit be glorified. Father, protect my mouth, my lips, from saying anything that would not bring glory and honor to the name of Jesus Christ. This is all about you. Lord, draw us in, help us to lean into the text and to listen, be sensitive to your Spirit. May we go out knowing how we are supposed to live so that you delight in us. We see, Lord, the sincerity of our hearts. Forgive us when we fall short and stumble and fall. God, pick us up and dust us off. Pray, Lord, for people that are here today that are aching and hurting, that are struggling with what's next. God, arrive and open their ears to hear your love, your grace. We ask these things very humbly in the powerful and strong and amazing name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen and amen. There is a subject, as we've been involved in these uh, little mini-series topical lessons for life, there's a subject that, to be perfectly honest, it weighs uh, very, very heavily on hearts. Um, there is a subject that daily we are confronted with that has become almost a constant stress on our souls in some capacity, in some way. A week does not go by without me hearing about the burden of this subject from someone. It has become almost a crushing, and I don't want to over-exaggerate, but a crushing burden. It's the subject of, of, of money. And we hear things about one's marriage is, is under duress because of money and, and the kids don't have what they think that they need. And, and it's about kids and money and college and money and our careers and money and retirement and money. And, and we, we wake up every day and there's this, this weight that seems to be crushing about, oh no, the mortgage and the bills and car payments and insurance and tuition and, and, and heating costs and electrical costs, and, and everything. Thankfully, we, we have moments like this to just kind of open up God's Word and, and go and, and understand there's a fresh 
look and a reminder how we are to walk and navigate our way through life. In spite of the fact that according to statistics and surveys, the American Psychological Association reported, they did a survey just last year in 2014, listen to this, they they found that nearly three-quarters, that's 72%, almost three-quarters, 72% of people surveyed said that they stressed about money at some point in the last month where people were stressed in the last month over the subject of money, while more than a quarter, that's 26%, said that they're stressed about money most, if not all of the time. One out of four people are saying, I'm stressed about this subject all of the time. Nearly 80% of the more than 2,100 people admitted that their personal finances actually keep them up at night. Parents want to set a good example for their children, but over two-thirds of parents who are concerned about setting a good financial example for their kids have also admitted that 48% of those parents admit to bribing their kids on a regular basis to encourage good behavior. 74% of parents admit to having some reluctance to talk with their kids about financial topics. 28% of parents agree with the statement, I'm not good with money, so I should not be the one to teach my own kids about money. We, we have something here that, that is a pressure, it is a weight, it's a burden that's actually pressing down so much so that it's kind of squeezing out behaviors that are ungodly, that, that are unrighteous. I would begin to step back and say, well, how, how do we get here? What, what has happened? What is presently happening? Where do we go? I, I, I oftentimes find, we, let's go back to the very, very beginning. Where, where did this all start? How did this start? Go back in Scripture, the very first chapter, Genesis chapter 1. God actually delegated to us authority over His entire creation. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, 28 is actually mentioned this morning. So God created man in His own image, in the image of God he created a male and female. Understand there's nothing in between that, although the world may tell you something. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over it. Subdue the earth and have dominion over it. There's actually a word for it. It's the word stewardship. Now, oftentimes, many people hear the word stewardship and they say, well, that's just kind of a... A, a spiritual cliche sounding word so that a church can talk about money or budgets or bills, right? And still sound spiritual while they're doing it. No, it's actually, it's, it's, it's an amazing word. It's According to Webster, the word steward is defined as one who manages another's affairs or properties. So we begin with the subject here of stewardship. It is one who manages another's affairs or property. It is someone entrusted with another's wealth and given the responsibility to manage it with the owner's best interest, not your own best interest in mind. Scripture is very clear as far as every single thing that we see around here. Guess what? It's not yours. I've preached on that in the past. <clears throat> um, Psalm chapter 50 says, The earth is the Lord's. 
and everything that is in it. The world and all who live in it. For he found it. Excuse me, that was Psalm 24. In Psalm 50 it says, For every animal in the forest is mine, God said. And the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the creatures of the field are mine. God says that. Everything. Haggai chapter 2 and verse 8. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord's. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? And you are not your own, for you have been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are His. James chapter 1 says, Every good thing comes down from the Father above, from the Father of lights. If God owns everything, and God expects all the resources that have been given that are entrusted to us, which are what? The breath that fills your lungs at this very moment. The heart that beats inside of your body. Everything. The movement that God has given to your body. The ability to think. The minds. Everything. All the, the monies, the material, tangibles and touchables that you have in this world. If it has been given to you on loan for the Father's, for the Creator's best interest, we begin to ask the question, how are we doing with this? If this is all about God getting the glory, we have a purpose to give God the glory with whatever you do, whatever you eat, whatever you drink. Give God the glory. We ask the question, how are we doing? Stewardship is not a subcategory of the Christian life. It's not a compartmentalized. Stewardship is the Christian's life. Stewardship is directly connected to our own worship of a heavenly and a holy Father. Why is this such a challenge for us? Why? Because after Genesis chapter 1, we were created in God's image. And we're given the mandate what to subdue and have dominion. Two chapters later, Genesis chapter 3, God in His sovereign plan allowed Satan to what? To tempt and to lie to Adam and Eve. And they bought it. Same thing that happens today. Adam and Eve fell into sin. And the whole world, everything, began to be distorted. And the view of God became blurred and twisted. And God allowed consequences of the fall of mankind. Consequences of sin. And there were words, real words, that were introduced for the first time. Words like toil. And words like thorns. And thistles. And words like pain. And words like sweat. And words like death. Real words with real meaning were introduced to mankind as a result of the fall. And ever since that, it has been a struggle. It has been a struggle. It is hard to keep things clear and to keep things in the right view. And that's why we have, I believe, that's why we have time. We set apart a day. Let's examine this subject. Let's, let's look at why people are literally losing sleep at night and examine that. That's why we have lessons for life on stewardship and money. Why? Because God evaluates. God is watching. He's watching what you are doing with what has been entrusted 
into your care for a short period of time. And let me tell you this, not to frighten you, but to tell you honestly, there will be a test. I was reminded last week, I had the amazing privilege of sitting where you sit last week and Matt preached. And it was so refreshing and I was so blessed by that. And he did an amazing job. It was interesting, in the first service especially, I sat in the back. My, there's a lot of stuff that goes on back there. And you know me, I am the, my, Wendy will say, I am the worst guy to sit next to in church. So I understand all of you that are like constantly, and I watch, I can listen, okay, but I watch others. And you can tell people who are not listening with an understanding that there will be a test. You understand that? When, when, when you're in class and the teacher says, this is going to be on the test. What do you do? You listen. You may have been completely checked out, but when you hear, this is going to be on the test, you listen. Some of you, most of you, listen like this is going to be on the test. Some of you are like me. And we miss it at times. That's why we have to understand, this subject is of great importance. A couple weeks ago, we looked at Matthew chapter 6, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. It just reminds us that God, God sees it, okay? God knows it. Um, you're not hiding anything from God. But it continues on. I want us to concentrate in verse 24 onward of Matthew chapter 6. Listen to this as we continue on in this text. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is, Is not life more than food? And the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? And then there's this firm rebuke, oh, you of little faith. Therefore do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all of these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now, you, you, you would have to be completely 
deaf or blind not to pick up the overriding premise to these few verses. It is repeated. It is easily detectable. Look at this in verse 25. Do not be anxious. You can replace the word anxious with worry. Do not worry about your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, about your body. But the clothes that you're going to put on, verse 27, which of you by being anxious, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Verse 28, why are you anxious? Why are you worrying? Verse 31, therefore do not be anxious. Verse 34, do not be anxious. It's, it's very, very easy what Jesus is teaching on here. You know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of Tony Evans. He, he's the pastor at Oak Cliff in, in Dallas. And he wrote Kingdom Man. And we were teaching this in a man's, uh, men's class a couple of years ago. And, and Tony Evans, whenever his family was, was, was in a predicament, was under pressure, there was a sense of uncertainty, he would hold up three fingers for his wife Lois and, and the kids to see. Three fingers! didn't have to say anything. And the three fingers meant, I got this. He's the dad. He's the father. He holds up three fingers. That's what God is doing right here. He's holding up three fingers. When you're losing sleep at night, He holds them up and He says, I got this. Don't worry about it. Look at the birds. Consider the lilies. He even makes this statement. He says the Gentiles. It's a reference to the unsaved people. They worry about things like this. Not my children. My son doesn't have to worry about that. My daughter doesn't have to worry about that. He says what? Seek first before anything else. Wake up in the morning and you seek first the kingdom of God's. What does he do? He brings into perspective what as a result of the curse of the fall and the sin and the separation that exists. Jesus Christ brings the gospel into perspective here. You seek first the kingdom of God. Yes, there is no doubt a result of death that comes from sin and from the fall of man, but what? You seek first that that the penalty of death has been paid. I've taken care of that. You don't have to worry about that. You seek first the kingdom of God. That the purpose for your sweat every day, that that alarm goes off, you've got to do the same job over and over. There's a purpose for it. You seek first. You do this for my glory. For my glory, God says, and not for your own. You seek first the kingdom of God. What's interesting is that all of this is preceded by verse 24 that says, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one, love the other, or will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot do both. You cannot serve God at money. This implies what? According to what we see in Scripture, by serving only God, every day, by loving only God, what does that imply? Well, there was a, there, there's a term for it, that our Australian friends would use. By serving only God, and by loving only God, what? There's no worries. There's no worries. Then you're you're missing it. 
But by choosing to serve and love money, what's the alternative? You will forever be plagued by worries. By serving and loving and seeking money, there will forever be unrelenting fears and anxieties and concerns and burdens. The challenging part is that we oftentimes succumb to the loudest voice that is in our ears. And we live in a society that says, you know what, you can have both. You can have God. You can be the good guy and a good girl and go to church and be the Christian. And you can also have this insatiable lust and hunger for more and more and more. That's what the world says. And it's not true. The world says you can have both. The Word says you cannot have both. Make that very, very clear. This this text is 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 taking our hearts and pointing us to the truth and says the thing that is at the center of your thinking, the thing that occupies your mind, the thing that is at the center of your desire, the thing that you admire the most, you think about the most, you long for the most, you respect the most, is the thing that you worship. And to be blunt, we have allowed that which has been entrusted to our care, that we are not even owners of, we're stewards of, that is money and material possessions, to occupy the space that I believe God alone is to occupy. Think where you are at personally. How much concentration that this subject takes in the course of a week. How much thought, how much planning. I found one of the best ways to evaluate how we are doing is to look personally and do this. I would encourage you, Dad, to Mom, sit down with your financial statements and your bank statements, your personal financial transactions over the last month. It is a living testament of where your faith is, your obedience and your trust or your lack thereof. It's a good way to test. Am I, am I trusting God or am I trusting in my own plan? Am I trusting in my own wealth, in my own means, my own ability? Think of it. Where you spend your money, how you spend your money, what you spend your money, reflect your priorities. Measure what you're giving, how much you're giving, to whom you are giving. If spiritual matters are a priority in your life, spiritual matters will be a priority in your giving. If physical and material and tangible priorities are a major priority, that's where you're going to focus. If you are more concerned about the growth of your, your retirement plan and your retirement investments and your annuities, then you are about your own personal growth by way of knowledge and understanding of the Word of God, then guess what? You're worshiping money. That's really what it's saying. If you give more thoughts... If, if, if you're worrying more about the responsibility of your financial commitments than you are about your own child's responsibility to make decisions and to be taught in ways that they follow and honor the Lord Jesus Christ in everything that they do, if, if it's off whack, then, then you're missing it. You're worshiping money. If, if you are spending more time investing in the stock market than you're investing, into the ministry of 
of the souls that last forever and the accumulating of more souls by the work of the Holy Spirit than by the Word of God. If you're more concerned about the worldly things than you are about the spiritual things, you're worshiping money. Calvin said this, and I left the quote for you in your your insert, where, where riches hold the dominion of the heart, God has lost his authority. People have literally kicked God off of the throne. Many, if we're honest, will say, that's, that's me, that's, I'm losing sleep. I'm one of those people. I'm giving too much time. It's taking too much attention. What do we do here? How do we move from this? Let me give you a couple things very quickly by the practical things you can immediately apply. Number one, check your preoccupation with money. Just check your preoccupation. The word preoccupied means to be absorbed or engrossed to the exclusion of other things. Do you know what it means to be preoccupied? I had a wonderful, amazing... Wendy and I have been so spoiled by your kindness and graciousness over the past week, week and a half. We were given two tickets to yesterday's Penn State game. That's why I'm burned on one side of the face here. This is right there. There's 100,000 people that are screaming with... The game is right in front of us. And yet, what's interesting is that there's two girls sitting directly in front of us who have had every single conversation about their hairstyles, about their sunglasses, about their nails, about their clothes, about the parties. About, and I'm like, do you not realize what's happening in front of you? It's called being preoccupied. with. There is not one comment. I don't even think they looked at the game. And, and yet that's, that's what happens. That's what happens with you and I. We get preoccupied with things that this is God has put this right in front of us. And we're like, did you did you see this? Did you see I just cracked this nail right here? Just chipped that. I just had these nails done. That's really kind of how how silly it has become. We're preoccupied, why? Because we are inundated with a flood every day with pop-up ads or advertisements or bulk junk mailings to say, you can get rich quick today. Earn money. Earn millions. People actually buy that and believe that. Check your preoccupation with money. Be careful that, that that does not happen. Jesus says this in Luke chapter 12 and verse 15. Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. Be on your guard about all covetousness. The New American Standard actually very simply says, be on guard from every form of greed. You have to intentionally guard yourself against that because we will inevitably, we're going to bend or lean towards, well, they've got that, I want that too. You have to be on guard against that. Examine your conversation, the words that come out of your mouth. Do you find yourself constantly talking about the subject of money and investments and, and retirement and plans. If that's a check that, you're preoccupied with that. I'd also say examine your company, who you're spending time with. If you're spending time with people and that's all they ever talk about, there's a problem. If you're spending time with people, say, let me tell you what, what Jesus just showed me today in His Word. You wouldn't believe this. That's where we are influenced. Examine your company. Examine your conversation. Examine your own conscience. 
if you find yourself as you flip through a magazine so one day my yacht's going to look just like that. Do, do, do you find that? What, what are you thinking about dreaming of? If only. And we just kind of like, wow, I can just, I feel my feet in the sand and people are bringing me cold iced teas. Wow, that's someday. Check what you're dreaming about. Check your preoccupation with money. Number two, check your attitude about money. Turn with me to 1 Timothy in chapter 6. Paul writes, great truth. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 8. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 8. We'll read verse 8, verse 9, and verse 10. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. Wow. Is that, is that, does that completely fly in the face of the American dream or what? God's word says, if you have food and clothing, be content with what you've got. Let, let me honestly tell you, this is hard, okay, for me as much as it is for you. I, you know, I, I can't, as I drive, I see the rust spots that are developing on my Jeep. And then I look at the other guys and his is so beautiful. There's just something. This is not something I've mastered, okay? This is something that we're struggling together with. Check your attitudes. If we have food and clothing with these things, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall in temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. This is strong language. Look at verse 10. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the, the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Now, please understand, Paul's not, he's not saying what? He's not guarding against money. He's guarding against the love of money. The love of money is the root of all evil. He's not talking about money is evil or the proper use of money, which is important. He's talking about this insatiable lust and longing to have more. And so people who who live with that have caused, and it's really, what, it's self-inflicted pain. They've hurt themselves, self-inflicted pain. People have literally ruined relationships. Marriages have crumbled and families have been wrecked compromised people have have had their own character compromised i'd never do that and they find themselves doing that all because there's this love here you realize that this is a major problem and that's why it needs to be discussed even in churches and why we want to be so careful right here gordon conwell theological seminary in in, in hamilton mass conducted a a study, a research on aspects of finance related to Christian churches around the world through its Center for the Study of Global Christianity. What's interesting is that according to a 2013 poll, there's actually a line, get this, of the $594 billion, $594 billion that was given to churches. It was actually a line item for what is referred to as ecclesiastical crime. 
that, that there is a, a major portion. It's six percent of that five hundred and ninety-four billion, which is thirty-seven billion dollars of money that has been given to churches. Okay, has been in a sense stolen through frauds. Matter of fact, that is five billion dollars more than the 32 billion that is given for worldwide missions or extending of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Think about this for a moment. More money is stolen within the church, okay, than is given to worldwide missions. Five billion dollars more. Listen to this. Johnson reports that uh, Dr. Todd Johnson, who did the study, much of the fraud goes unreported. But why not report it? Johnson told me, he goes, part of its reluctance is to see the bad side of a nice pastor, of a secretary, or a board member of the church. Johnson even cited one quote from a church member who knew of embezzlement and said this, I knew he stole my money, but I think he's a really wonderful person. Is that just like completely blinded? That Satan can use something. And why we have to be so open and so much in the light to say there, there is no one who's exempt. Say this could not or this will not. We have to guard constantly against that. Check your attitudes about money. Thirdly, check your spending of money. Watch what you do with the money that has been entrusted in, into your care. Again, Paul said this, those who desire to be rich fall into temptation. Refers to it as snares, money which is actually supposed to be a blessing. You work, you earn money. There's nothing wrong with that. It's to be a blessing. Is actually become a burden in people's lives because they keep that from what? From understanding whose it rightfully is. Charles Stanley wrote a great little book a number of years ago called Success God's Way, and he asked questions that we need to regularly ask. What, what do you purchase with your money? Do, do you, are you careless or frivolous in your spending habits? Do you gamble away money that God causes to come into your hand? Do, do you purchase things of poor quality that are a passing fad? Do you overspend putting yourself and your family into the bondage of debt? Do you invest in companies that produce products that are contrary to the principles of God's word? Do you purchase products that promote health or destroy health? Are you generous in your giving to others? Do you tithe? Are you generous in supporting God's work above your tithe? And he just gives a long list of questions. We need to regularly ask ourselves, are we doing this? Are we succeeding according to God's way? Or are we succeeding according to our own way? Check your spending of money. Fourthly and finally, check your giving of thanks for money. Always, always, always. And this helps us hold everything like Develop a habit of giving thanks to the Lord for His blessings. For the privilege it is giving to you to be stewards of property for a set period of time. It is a great privilege. We teach our children all the time with more privileges come more responsibilities. Kids want privileges. We offer them privileges. Okay, you can have the keys to the car, but it better be home. You're going to be responsible at this time. We hear a statement like this, well, he's a self-made man, or she's her own woman, or he made millions. He did it all of his own way. That is in complete contradiction to what the Word of God teaches. You didn't do it yourself. God gave you the ability to get up and go to work. God allowed you to be introduced to the right person at the right time. God allowed you to have a mind that was able to earn 
a degree. God, God did all of those things. We are to live in a constant state of thankfulness, of gratefulness. 138 times, 138 times throughout the pages of Scripture, the word thanks or a form of it. Thankfulness and thanksgiving is used. I, I absolutely love this time of the year as the leaves are beginning to turn. And we look forward to a day that we set aside to give all of our attention. But we don't have to wait to the end of November to give thanks to God. Every day we just pause, pull over and watch creation. Say, God, we are so blessed by you. We began this reminder, What well, don't be anxious. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink or what you're going to wear. But you seek first. You rest in the fact that God in His graciousness has, has redeemed you and rescued you and given you a purpose to live, purpose to earn. We keep that in our minds, that in our focus. And our Australian Brothers and sisters will be happy with us because we will live with God in our sights with no worries. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Give us the means and strength to be obedient to it. In your name we pray. Amen.